Hello and welcome to episode four of Personal Protection Academy, the podcast. My name is DeAndre McKinnon. I'm your host and chief instructor of Personal Protection Academy. Um, we can be found on YouTube, on Facebook, and Instagram. So here's some announcements for the next classes on February 19th, which is Saturday. We have a basic handgun class, and that's through the USCCA. On February 25th, uh, I'm doing an online situational awareness and home security course. And on April 8th, we have the Naga basic handgun class. So uh, be sure to send me a DM on one of my social medias to uh, so I can send you the sign-up link for class. All right. So in, um, in 2A News, something really interesting happened. Uh, I'm going, I'm looking at Forbes.com and the headline reads, gun ban for marijuana users is unconstitutional, U.S. judge rules. This was actually um, written on February 7th, 2023. It says the ban on gun ownership for marijuana users in Oklahoma has been declared unconstitutional by a federal judge as it violates the Second Amendment right to bear arms. U.S. District Judge Patrick Wyrick, that's W-Y-R-I-C-K, on February 3rd, declared an indictment against a man charged in August for violating firearms ban was dismissed as it violated the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution. Jared Michael Harrison was taken into custody by Lawton Police, Oklahoma, in May 2022 during a routine traffic stop. The search of his car uncovered a loaded revolver and marijuana. Harrison informed the officers that he was heading to his job at a medical marijuana dispensary, but lacked a mandatory state-issued medical uh, marijuana card. Harrison's lawyers argued that the client's Second Amendment right to bear arms was violated by a federal law prohibiting unlawful users or addicts of controlled substances from possessing arms. They claimed the law focused on drug users and addicts was inconsistent with historical tradition of firearm regulation, citing the U.S. Supreme Court ruling in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association uh, versus Bruin case, which set new standards for interpreting the Second Amendment. In contrast, the federal prosecutors argue that the law focused on disarming drug users is, is consistent with the longstanding tradition in America of disarming presumptively risky persons, such as felons, the mentally ill, and the intoxicated. However, the judge who appointed, who was appointed by former President uh, Donald Trump in 2018 sided with Harris's lawyers and ruled that the prosecution's argument of Harrison's status as a marijuana user was a basis for stripping him of his right to possess a firearm under the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution was unconstitutional. Um, For all reasons given above, this was not constitutionally permissible means of disarming Harrison, the judge said. The judge ruled, I'm sorry. Furthermore, the ruling stated that the marijuana doesn't have the characteristics typically associated with activities that have been subject to firearms regulation in the country's history and tradition, noting that Oklahoma is one of the one of the several states 
where although marijuana is still illegal under the federal law, it can be legally bought for medical uses. Uh, several news media outlets reported that the United States Department of Justice is likely to appeal. The right for medical marijuana users to bear arms is controversial. Although the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution guarantees the right of people to keep and bear arms should not be infringed, the Gun Control Act of 1968 prohibits individuals who are unlawful users of addict, I'm sorry, unlawful users or addicted to any controlled substance from owning or possessing firearms. As marijuana is currently scheduled one drug under federal law, any medical or recre recreational users uh, is prohibited from owning or possessing a gun. In 2011, the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, and Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives sent a letter to licensed firearm dealers stating that medical marijuana cardholders can't purchase firearms. Furthermore, the ATF added the question to a form that gun purchasers must complete, asking if the applicant is unlawful user or addicted to marijuana. If a medical marijuana user answers yes to the question, they, uh, their license will not be approved, and if they answer no, they could face charges of lying under oath. The form includes a warning that using or possessing marijuana remains illegal under federal law, regardless of whether the, the state legalizes it for medical or recreational use. The ban on owning firearms for medical cannabis patients represents a significant problem for them. The existing legal restrictions, therein the constitutional rights and well-being about 5.4 million medical cannabis patients across the country, according to several experts. The current situation forces them to decide between using their prescribed medication or preserving their right to bear arms as stated in the Second Amendment. As well as medical patients, individuals who have had their marijuana records expunged may still face restrictions on their right to bear firearms. As the issue is dealt with by state, state by state, um, some states may allow individuals with expunged marijuana records to possess firearms, while others may still consider them unqualifiable to own firearms and restrict their rights. And that's the uh, the end of the article. Um, so I feel like that's kind of a, <clears throat> a sticky situation, um, being that you really don't want anybody who's impaired to be firing firearms. However, uh, you can't really separate that from people who drink alcohol and yet still own firearms. So that's kind of inconsistent. So intoxicated one way and high is pretty much on the same level. So you have to either be on one side of the fence or other. You can't have this, this middle ground. Um, as someone who doesn't really partake in marijuana, I, I really don't have a dog in that fight, but I will say that it doesn't seem to be intellectually honest. And that's what I have for you today in uh, 2A News. Um, what I want to talk to you today about in the main section of our, our podcast here is uh, situation awareness and conflict avoidance. Now, I teach this uh, class 
usually in the form of online, but it also comes up when I'm doing the basic handgun course. And this is very important for the new gun owner because you need to plan for your safety and you need to actually think about what conflict avoidance looks like. Let me give you an example and bear with me for a second here. Say you're standing in front of a pit of lions, right? And while you're standing there taking pictures of these lions, your kid next to you accidentally bumps your hand and you drop that phone in the pit of lions. Are you gonna jump in there and get that phone? Is it that important to you? Same example. You turn around to leave the pit, and for some odd reason, your hat falls off into the pit, or your wallet falls off into the pit. Are you going to jump down there with those lines to get those items? Most sane people say no, right? It's not worth it. Now, if that kid trips and falls into that pit of lions, best believe I'm jumping in there, right? That's my kid. That's a life. I'm jumping in. That is an example of what you should think about when you're considering uh, conflict avoidance. Is what you're about to fight about worth possibly the bodily harm or the court battle uh, from, you know, uh, not killing somebody, but severely injuring somebody or the court battle from actually killing somebody, the jail time? or the fact that you might actually lose conflict avoidance, okay? You actually win 100% of the gunfights that you don't get into. So all the machismo and, oh, I've got a gun and I can do anything I want and nobody can say anything about it, that's not the right attitude. That's gonna get you in more trouble and possibly dead. So that's conflict avoidance. Now. Situational awareness. I can't stress to you how much keeping your eyes moving when you're walking on the street, um, not in your phone. I need you to be observing, not being paranoid, but observant of your surroundings is the easiest thing you can do for your own safety. So don't have prolonged conversations with somebody on video phone as you're walking down the street. You can't see that person who is plotting on you. You can't see, one example I saw, this lady was walking in the mall and she just fell into the fountain. She wasn't paying attention. And, but yeah, when you keep your face out of those phones, put the phone to your ear or put at least, you know, put an earbud in so you can keep looking around. Not both earbuds, just one. You need to be able to hear as well. And it's important to plan for these things because you don't want to get caught in a moment and you haven't thought about what you would do in the situation. It goes as far as, you know, um, where you sit in a restaurant. A lot of men, especially here in the South where I am, a lot of men don't like what they're, you know, sitting with their back to the door, their restaurant. 
I take it upon myself as the family protector to uh, find out where the kitchen is and where the emergency exits are. Now, you may say to yourself, why is it important to find out where the kitchen is? Well, most states have laws that say that you can't actually take the garbage out through the front door. It has to be taken out through the back door and usually through the kitchen. So when you have these active shooters come into uh, restaurants and everybody's just cowering, uh, or I'm sorry, taking cover behind a table or trying to leave out of one particular door, no, uh, me and my family are going out a different door. Whatever door seems to be uh, the less congested and, and you know, you find that kitchen, go out through the back. And I found a lot of uh, New Yorkers also know this. People, uh, when you're at night and you're coming home from clubs or coming home from shopping or something, and not really even at night, in general, when you're walking down the street, I need you to put some distance between you and corners. I need you to look, be able to notice the threat before it actually can reach out and grab you. You need to be more than arm's length away from a corner that you cannot see. This eliminates a lot of surprises and gives you more time to react. Seconds count. So I need you to really keep that in mind. And when you're out and about, know where you're going. Act like you know where you're going. When you are walking slow or you're, you're looking confused, criminals notice this. Just like sharks notice when fish aren't absolutely healthy or when they're flopping around at the top of the surface. That's where they're going. So you don't want to make you don't want to look like a victim. You don't want to look um, intimidated. You want to give eye contact to anybody who's looking at you. Usually a criminal can see, you know, if a criminal knows that you can identify them because you already made eye contact with them, if they don't have any intent on killing you, uh, they'll probably pick someone else who's not paying attention, an easier target. They want the path of least resistance. So these are some of the topics that I go over in my classes. And this is just a few. There's a few other ones that I, you know, that I talk about, but I don't want to give them all the way here because I want you to come visit me and meet me in person and uh, learn these things. And I can look you in your eye to make sure that you are getting my concepts. Okay. Okay, so for today's Black 2A history lesson, I want to talk about the Deacons for Defense and Justice. So this is a group of um, preachers, I'm sorry, a group of deacons, as the name suggests, <laughs> that um, saw an issue when it came to uh, violence, and they decided to do something about it. There was a, uh, a movie made about this starring Forrest Whitaker um, and Ozzie Davis and a few other um, artists, actors. Um, they did a very good film for what it was in a day. I think it, you know, it needs to be remade and, and told again for this generation as well. But it, uh, it really highlights 
the bravery of African Americans when you know when their backs against the wall, defending against racism. So I'm going to read this article from the website Black Past. On July 10th, 1964, a group of African American men in Jonesboro, Louisiana, led by Ernest Chili Willie Thomas and Frederick Douglass Kirkpatrick, founded the group known as the Deacons for Defense and Justice to protect members of the Congress of Racial Equality, CORE, against the Ku Klux Klan. Most of the Deacons were veterans from World War II and the Korean War. The Jonesboro chapter organized its first affiliate chapter in nearby Bolagaza, Bogaza, B-O-G-A-L-U-S-A, Louisiana, led by Charles Sims, A.Z. Young, and Robert Hicks. Eventually, they organized a third chapter in Louisiana. The Deacons' tense confrontation with the Klan in Bogalusa, I guess that's how you say it, was crucial in forcing the federal government to intervene on behalf of local African-American communities. The national attention they garnered was persuaded state and national officials to initiate efforts to neutralize the Klan in the area of the Deep South. The Deacons emerged as one of the first visible self-defense forces in the South and such represented a face of the civil rights movement. Traditional civil rights organizations remained silent on them or repudiated them for their activities. They were effective, however, in providing protection for local African-Americans who sought to register to vote and for white and black civil rights workers in the area. The Deacons, for example, provided security for the 1966 March Against Fear from Memphis to Jackson, Mississippi. Moreover, their presence in the southeastern Louisiana meant that the Klan would no longer be able to intimidate and terrorize local African-Americans without challenge. The strategy and methods that the deacons employed attracted the attention of concern from the FBI, which authorized an investigation into the group's activities. The investigation stalled, however, when uh, more influential Black power organizations such as the U.S. and the Black Panther Party emerged after the 1965 Watch Riots. With public attention and the intention of the FBI focused elsewhere, the deacons lost most of their uh, notoriety and slowly declined in influence. By 1968, they were all but extinct. In 2003, the activities of deacons for the activities of the deacons were subject of a 2003 Deacons for Defense documentary. So that's just a little tidbit about the Deacons for Defense. Now there is um, reference to them in uh, The Negro and the Gun. That's a book. And they also have a book by the same title, Deacons for Defense, give me a second. Just wanna make sure I give you the title of the book. I mean, the, uh, the author of the book. And the author is, wait for it, Lance Hill. And you can find it on Amazon. I'm looking at it right now. And there's also an audio book. So I think this is a very important 
history for the Second Amendment as well as civil rights. Uh, I think some of the events that they were at would have turned out a lot worse for us if they were not there. It's something about being able to show power uh, in the form of a firearm that gets people to think differently, right? People learn differently. Some are thinkers, other ones need visual. In this case, the visual of that shotgun gave a lot of people pause where it could have been bad otherwise. So that's uh, today's 2A Black History. Okay, so that's going to wrap up this edition. Just want to remind you to please go to the website, personalprotection-academy.com. There you can find out um, a little bit more about the classes I offer, as well as, um, you know, any, any pictures that you might want to see, any examples of some things that I've done. Uh, we also do group classes. I have a group of 30 realtors coming up pretty soon. So doing group classes is something that I can accommodate. Feel free to lead some topic suggestions uh, in my DMs on Instagram or Facebook, and I will get to those. Anything that you might want to hear or anything that you have a question on, especially my new gun owners. And um, hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>